I'm also grateful for the women like Bonnie, you know, and Ruth Brown and Coco Taylor that all came before me because they paved the way for me to do this. Mm -hmm. Now, I've had my challenges, but I'm standing on their backs (laughs) in the sense that I didn't have the struggles they did, you know. So, of course, you're a woman in in this business. You're always going to have to fight for certain things and you know, there's plenty of ways that I've been disrespected in my opinion, but I think that I'm fortunate that they were before me and they definitely set a great path. That was Shamika Copeland. And this is Shiro's, a podcast with a mission to turn up the volume of women's voices in music across genres and generations. I'm Carmel Holt, and what you're about to hear is a previously aired interview from my syndicated public radio show, She Rose Radio. She Rose is a deep dive into the experiences and perspectives of women and gender expansive folks in a still overwhelmingly male-dominated music industry. It's a space where we discuss the challenges and triumphs how far we've come, and how far we still have to go. Telling our stories is the first step to making music a better space for everyone. It's hard to name a genre and musical form of American music more foundational than the blues, a form and sound that originated in the Deep South in the late 1800s and found mainstream popularity by the 1920s is mostly known as a vocal form. And important to note here that the first blues recordings were made by women, beginning with Mammy Smith. So while she was born into the musical legacy of her father, Texas blues guitarist and singer Johnny Copeland, Shamika Copeland is part of an even older and vitally important lineage of Shiro's of the blues. Born in Harlem in 1979, Shamika began singing from an early age and was performing by the time she was a teenager, opening for her father on the blues circuit. At 18, she landed a record deal with Alligator Records and her debut, Turn the Heat Up, was released the following year. Now, nearly 25 years and 11 albums into her career, this multi-award winning and four-time Grammy nominee and radio host is back with the third in a trilogy of powerfully outspoken albums following America's Child and Uncivil War with Done Come Too Far. It's an honor to welcome Shamika Copeland as this week's Shiro in the Spotlight. Shamika Copeland, this is long overdue. Welcome to Shiro's Radio. So great to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I know that it's been a tough moment. You recently lost your mom. We were just talking about that. And today you're there in Chicago. Can you share with us a little bit about your mom and where you're at? I'm doing okay. You know, my mom always told me to tie a knot and hold on. So that's what I'm doing. I've been pretty busy. My mom passed the day that this album came out. And I have never remembered a album release date ever until now. And I feel her around me. I feel her with me. And I know she's in a better place. She's happier. You know, she was suffering in this life. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm going to miss her every day for the rest of my life, I know she's much better off, you know. Somebody said to me just recently, she went right into the love of her life's arms, and that was Mm. your father when she passed. And that makes me feel very warm and fuzzy. (laughs) 
Yeah. It's a beautiful image. Yeah. yeah. What kind of a role did your mom have to play in your musical development coming up? You know, I believe the voice. It was so funny. I was thinking about that this morning. My mom was not a singer, but my mom had a beautiful voice. So when she sang around the house or sang along with me to my records or whatever, I thought this woman could have been a star if she wanted to be. So the talent just didn't come from my dad's side. It also came from my mom. And my mom was there. You know, it's... um. I struggle with this now as a mom. My dad was on the road. Even though my dad was very present, always called, and when he was home, he was present, he toured a lot, and my mom was at home. And so for me, being a touring musician, even though I only leave home most of the time, two or three days at a time, because I can't stand to be away from my little guy, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that changed for me when I had him. But I struggle with that, the mommy guilt, because... I had my mom at home and my dad was on the road. And with this situation, it's vice versa. So I'm grateful that I have such a wonderful husband who is very, very present and and wonderful and amazing. But it's still hard for me, even though my baby has such a great understanding of what mommy does. And he's so supportive. And he's like, mommy, you're going to go sing mommy songs. Do a good job. You know, I love you. He totally gets it and he's okay with it. But I still beat myself up about it, you know, and I don't know why. I have no reason to because my baby supports me. My husband supports me. But it's the stuff we do to ourselves. As women, you know, we have this thought that we can do it all and carry it all and we should be doing it all. Yeah. My friends Mm -hmm. tell me that I'm a helicopter mom, a jumbo jet mom, a lawnmower mom, whatever you call it. (laughs) I'm all those things. So the perspective now that you have going into the launch of this record is really new, even this long of a road into your career. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Life is so ever-changing. It's been a rough few years. It's funny. I was talking as we were coming over here about the changes that occurred in my life just starting in 2020. It wasn't just with COVID, but I ended up moving. My mom got sick. My husband lost his job. And my mom was in the hospital for about two months. And my husband ended up getting a job in California. So I had a big move from Chicago to California and we really love it there. So it's been a nice change, a nice move, but it was still an adjustment for me because I left so much friends and family. And then I was in California just getting settled in. And that's when I found out I had kidney cancer and they removed 20% of my right kidney. And that was a whole thing. It's just like, there's just been one thing after another, after another. And then you think you're settled, but then, you know, my mom's health just kind of took a serious decline. It's, It's been a lot, but I'm doing okay. I'm still here. I'm strong. And my parents built me up to be that way. And I'm blessed. I'm blessed. So I'm just going to keep on going. It's beautiful perspective, and I think all of us can relate in one way or another. These past couple of years have been so hard, so hard in yeah. so, so many ways. And then you have the external difficulties and challenges and uprisings and reckonings that have been going yeah. on, too, sociopolitically. Everybody's going through something. 
Yeah. Everybody's going through something. Yeah. And it's actually been nice being out on the road because I'm at the point where I just say whatever I want these days (laughs) and I'm happy about it. I'm happy because people can relate and I've been getting so much awesome feedback and a lot of love, lots of hugs. Hugs got me through this whole month so far. So talk to us about how this new album intersected with some of these hard times. The new album is called Done Come Too Far. It's your 11th studio album. Mm -hmm. Where in the timeline did this fall? So I don't even know. This happened so organically in the sense of everything changed for me when I had my little guy. And I have always done songs about women's issues. I've always been an advocate for women. So Earlier on in my career, you know, I did songs about domestic abuse and date rape and religious hypocrites and, you know, social injustice. I've, I've always done things like that. But after I had my little guy, I did an album called America's Child and everything kind of shifted for me because I didn't want to complain about what was happening in the world as much as trying to do something to fix it, to make the world better for him. Right. And so... We did America's Child, and that album was an awesome record for me. And on it, we did We Ain't Got Time for Hate. And as we were making that record, I felt like it shouldn't have ended. (laughs) It was almost like, Mm. God, we need to continue this on, but a record has to have an ending. So that's when we did Uncivil War. And I finished that record December of 19. So then Mm. 2020 came along, and... Oh my God, so many things happened. (laughs) Like, I guess this is going to be a trilogy. That was what I was thinking in my mind. Right. Even if I wanted to do something different, I can't, you know, this has got to be an album about the last 18 months or so. Right. And so that's how Done Come Too Far came about. And congratulations, by the way, for your Grammy nomination for Uncivil War as well. Thank you. Where do you see yourself now in terms of the timeline of your career? It sounds like you're saying that it has become more and more important for you to have Mm -hmm. your songs be topical and be something that stands for change, not just for women, but for the world as a whole. Absolutely. I feel like life is short. And what I'm putting out into the universe is important to me. I'm not just making records. I feel like I'm trying to make little pieces of art. I want, if the world ended, somebody to find these records and have a very good understanding of what was happening at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, little pieces of history, little pieces of art. And that's what I'm trying to do here. And yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying it. And I do feel like it's important to use your voice in that type of way. Well, do you want to take us to a song from this album? Is there a song here that maybe was the starting point? Absolutely. I mean, I feel like we did America's Child and on that we did We Ain't Got Time for Hate and then Uncivil War. How long must we fight this Uncivil War? And then this album kind of brings it all in. It's like we come too far to be gone. So I would say too far to be gone. A small thing. A seat on the bus Changed life for the rest of us A tiny woman that you never met Put us on the road But we ain't there yet A brave soul is long gone But a spirit's marching on We done come too far to be gone Come too far to be gone If you think we're stuck too far to be gone. 
Monica Copeland is here with us on Shiro's Radio. The new album is called Done Come Too Far and there's Too Far to Be Gone. And I love how there's the flip of the two. Track mm-hmm. one, side one is Too mm-hmm. Far to Be Gone and then Done Come Too Far on side B as yeah. the first track. Talk to us a little bit about how you work with your longtime songwriting partner, John Hahn. I know that's such a, that relationship. I've known him since I was eight years old. So he's more like a father. Him and his wife, Cindy, I always said I had two sets of parents growing up, the black ones and the white ones. Mm. (laughs) And it was a very fortunate way to grow up because they introduced me to a whole lot of different things. So anyway, he's been in my life forever and he just knows my thoughts. (laughs) And we have so many conversations and he knows how I feel. It's just like, He just gets it. He knows. Wow. (laughs) And I mean, I think that that's so incredible, too, because as you were saying before, you've covered so many topics that are specific to a woman's experience. And Mm -hmm. it takes a very special man to be able to tap into that. Well, it takes a it takes a man who loves the woman. (laughs) Yeah. And he loves me and always has from the moment we met. It was like, you know, he took me on as this is my kid. And he really cares. He has a passion for this that's pretty amazing. Well, you mentioned that you've known him since you were eight years old. For our listeners that don't know your history, can you take us back to when you were a child and first discovering your talent and others discovering your talent? So, yeah, I mean, my dad was a great blues musician named Johnny Copeland. And so I started singing around the house when I was like three years old with him. And my dad was just an incredible guitar player, singer, writer, just a pretty amazing artist. And he and John met because John was in advertising and he would bring in artists, musicians to do commercials. And he brought my dad in for a commercial. He and my dad met and just hit it off. I mean, my family is kind of like a vortex. You know, once you get in the family, you can't get out even if you want to. It's like you're stuck there forever. In the best possible way, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're just, you're in there. It's like, that's it. You know, you might as well give it up. You can't get out. You're stuck there and you're in the family. And that's kind of what happened with John. The first time I met him, he had gotten invited to a party for my dad that we were having at my aunt's house. We lived in Harlem, but the party was upstate New York, like in Yonkers. And so the way John tells the story is that I was there with my little posse because I had some of my little friends with me and I had a sombrero on (laughs) because we had just come home from Spain. My dad took us, (laughs) me and my mom and my brother to Spain. So I was walking around with this big hat on and I introduced John. I was like, this is Mr. John Haunt and he's my manager. I had no reason to ever say that. Like it was just apparently my personality. And my little guys like that too, by the way. I thought I was a shy child. But anyhow, a few years later, he actually was my manager, which was insane. Wild. (laughs) And ever since then, you know, thick as thieves. What about your journey with singing and learning the craft of singing the blues? Everything for me was completely self-taught from listening to records and just singing with my dad around the house. My dad's really good friend, they were mostly brothers, his name was Floyd Phillips. He was a piano player and he played with my dad for a long time in his band. He would come over to the house and sit with me and play songs because my dad was wonderful but not a great teacher. Mm. Uh, But I think it was only because he knew his time was limited and he was trying to teach me fast 
And so Uncle Floyd was a little bit more patient and he was able to teach me the things that I needed to know to go out here and and go to jams and festivals and stuff. So I remember doing that. And I started going out with my dad and singing a song or two on a show with him and his band. And finally, if we had nights where it was a two-set night, I would do the first set and my dad would come out and do the second set. And my dad always told me I was helping him, but really he was doing all the helping. He was helping me (laughs) to become an artist. And I didn't even realize it at the time. I was probably about 16, 17 during that time. And then dad passed when I was 18, but I got my deal with Alligator Records just before he passed. So he knew that I was recording and he actually got to hear the first four songs before he passed away. And ever since then, I've been on the road working. That's the short version of my journey. Do you want to just name one of those four songs? Yeah, you can play Turn the Heat Up. (laughs) That was my first album. Well, I'm sure you got your Mika Copeland here with us on Shiro's Radio. The new album is Done Come Too Far. It's her 11th studio release. When I was thinking about you coming up in the clubs and working with your dad as a teenager, young woman, music in general is a very male-dominated space still. And the blues especially, for some reason, strikes me as an especially male-dominated space. Is that an accurate impression that I have or no? Well, you're absolutely right. And it wasn't always that way. I mean, women ruled in the 1920s. It was all about entertaining and being out there and women ruled. But then it shifted when electric guitar came into play. And Mm. once that happened, it's certainly become very male-dominated. Do you have any feelings about that? Yeah. I mean, it makes me sad. It makes me a little bit sad as a singer because for me, I'm about lyrics and message. And I think that that kind of gets lost in the background when it comes to all the other stuff. And it's a shame because I want more people to hear these songs and would like it to be a little bit more important. And I know it is important, like I said, but in a different kind of way. You know, there's just a smaller group of people that see and understand what it is that I'm doing and saying. Do you yourself have any reflections on how the journey might have been different or harder, better? Like I had this conversation with Bonnie Raitt. I said, ah, you know, women that play blues guitar, you know, there's not that many. How was that for you? Was that difficult? And she said, actually, it worked in my favor because I was so unique. There weren't that many women. And so I really stood out. But I was curious from your perspective, as a woman doing the blues, did you find in the journey of your career, which is now at this point been over two decades since you were a teenager. Did you think at any point that it was maybe harder for you because you're a woman? Were there specific challenges that came up for you in this very male-dominated space? Would you you be willing to share what some of those things were? Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But at the same time, I'm also grateful for the women like Bonnie, you know, and Ruth Brown and Coco Taylor that all came before me because they paved the way for me to do this. Mm-hmm. Now, I've had my challenges, but I'm standing on their backs <laughs> in the sense that I didn't have the struggles they did, you know. So, of course, 
you're a woman in a in this business. You're always going to have to fight for certain things, and you know, there's plenty of ways that I've been disrespected in my opinion. But I think that I'm fortunate that they were before me, and they definitely set a great path for it not to be as hard. And I'm sure that you're doing the same for others now too. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm trying to. I am. Yeah. Have you encountered any up and coming young artists who felt like they got that from you that you kind of kicked down some doors for them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just got a, a text message from Vanessa Collier, who's an amazing musician, young lady. And she said that she just loves what I'm doing. And, and I really appreciate that. You know, I hear that from her and Danielle Nicole and other female artists that are doing this and they go, wow, you know, we really appreciate what you're doing, what you're saying. And and that's what I want for my kiddo. You know, I want him to say, my mom was brave. You know, my mom was badass. Yeah. She said it, <laughs> she did it. She walked a walk and talked to talk. And it's funny because he's not quite six, but he has a certain respect for me already. And he runs around singing these songs. Right now, one of his favorites is fell in love with a honky. So I'm going to have to explain that at school at some point. I remember when I got in trouble at school for singing, I'm a woman and I can make love to a crocodile, the Coco <laughs> Taylor song. So I'm going to have to explain him singing, I fell in love with a honky in a honky tonk bar. <laughs> but, um, you know, what's funny is, is that People ask me if it's autobiographical, and it kind of is because my husband is Caucasian, but my husband is not as described in this song because my husband's a metalhead and (laughs) is not a big country music fan at all and definitely not tall and slim because there's a line in it, he's tall, slim, and hunky. And so we laugh about this all the time. I was like, honey, it's not funny singing about a metalhead. Sorry, we had to make it country because it's a whole lot funnier that way. I had such a great time doing that song. I fell in love with a hunky in a honky tonk bar Dressed up like a rodeo star Plays country blues on a beat-up guitar Fell in love with a honky in a honky tonk bar Tamika Copeland here with us on Shira's Radio. The new album is called Don't Come Too Far, and that's Fell in Love with a Honky. So I noticed that you thank Ani DeFranco in the liner notes of this record. Mm -hmm. So much respect there. You know, I love powerful women. (laughs) Strong and powerful women always been my thing. I told you I'm standing on their backs, and I talk about that on the radio myself all the time. Anytime I play artists like her, I always put that out there because it's important for me. I'm glad you brought up your radio show. I wanted to point that out, that you're a fellow woman of the airwaves as well. How long have (laughs) you been doing that? A little over three years now. It's funny because I started years ago, Sirius and XM were separated. And when it was Sirius, feels like ages ago, I did a show on Saturdays, just an hour long show, just women in blues. And then Sirius and XM merged, and a lot of those kind of shows went away. And years later, Tony Coulter, who was an awesome DJ, he passed away, and they needed another DJ for B.B. King's Bluesville show. And they asked me to do it, and I'm so grateful for it. It's been really good for me. I started a year before the shutdown, and so 
during a shutdown, I had something to do, keep me busy and keep me connected yeah. to music, which was really healthy mentally for me. So I was really happy to have that. I hope to do it forever. I love it. I wish that I had heard your Women in Blues show. That must be awesome. Maybe I have to have you on to do like a guest DJ set or something. And <laughs> we could yeah, do that for sure. One of the reasons why Shiro's Radio exists is because I've been on the air for much longer than I care to say. But I've also been on the programming side of it. And there's still an uphill battle, even in public radio, to make sure that women's voices are heard, not only in the playlist and making sure that there is an equal distribution of women's voices to male voices, but also on the mic, you know? Right. And it's been wild to like, you know, think about that part of this is that there's a little bit of a meta you know, thing going on with this project of also wanting to amplify women that aren't the music makers, but are the presenters and the journalists. Mm -hmm. You know, how much of music history is written through the lens of the male voice? Right. Absolutely. And it's slowly starting to change. uh, But gosh, it's so slow. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can feel the change, but I can also feel that it's moving at a snail's pace. Yeah. But the programmer that I work with is very aware of how I feel about making women's voices heard. On the other side of that, how has it been doing interviews? Do you feel like you've been accurately represented in the press over the years? Sometimes. Not always, of course. Some of the best advice my dad ever gave me was never read the press. (laughs) Because if you (laughs) read it and it's good, you become cocky and arrogant. And if it's bad, you become bitter and angry. So I very rarely read any of those. You know, John will send me something and say, you have to read this. (laughs) But for the most part, I kind of try to stay away from it because a a lot of it is opinion. And Mm -hmm. it's one person's opinion, and you can't let that shape your thoughts of yourself or your value in any way, shape, or form. So I'm very careful with that, how I protect myself and my mind and my head, you know, uh, because I am unapologetically who I am and doing what I want to do and saying what I want to say. Do you think that there's too much of a focus on gender when referring to you as the greatest female blues vocalist versus just like one of the greatest blues vocalists, period. End of story. Yeah. I do wish that they could take the female part out, Mm -hmm. but that's the part that also makes me proud in some ways too. Exactly. Right. So it's kind of both. Yeah. It's kind of both. So I'm proud to be a woman and doing what I'm doing. I'm proud. It's so funny because, you know, there's a lot of ways that it's like with the Grammys in particular, a woman hasn't won a blues Grammy in I mean, I don't even know, a decade or more. It's yep. it's insane. It's if insane. You've, if you've noticed. So it's like, wow, it's very male dominated. Do you have any ideas how we can shift that? Nope. <laughs> okay. Because it's very political. It's yeah. very political. That's yeah. why I don't let it bother me in any mm. kind of way. I just do my thing because that type of stuff doesn't define me. But yeah. I do notice it and you can see and people actually bring it up to me, you know, in, yeah, in a very sure. angry way. <laughs> in but a very they're an- like they're angry for you. Right? Exactly. Like, yeah. And I'm always trying to calm them down. Like, yeah, it's just political. It doesn't take anything away from me and who I am. And I'm OK with that. 
That's a good attitude. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Easy to feel angry and not that it's not justified either, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, I had my moments. I mean, earlier on in my career when I was younger and I thought it was important, (laughs) you but you get older and you realize that it's really not. Right. So your priorities shift as you age and you spend more time in the business and you realize that that part of it is just not important to you. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a one mind, one heart at a time kind of gal. And I like that. I love that. Shamika Copeland is here with us on Shiro's Radio. The new album is called Done Come Too Far. Want to pick a track for us to go to? You told us about your son's favorite song. (laughs) Do you you have a favorite on the album? I love all these songs for so many different reasons. I love Barefoot in Heaven. It's a Ray Wiley Hubbard song. I kind of imagine my mom (laughs) and dad this way. Now they tell me that the streets of heaven are paved with diamonds and gold. I may not get them, but if I do, I believe I take off my shoes. Gonna walk around heaven, gonna walk around heaven, barefooted, singing God's praise. Gonna walk around Mika Copeland is our guest today on Shiro's Radio. The new album is called Done Come Too Far, and that's Barefoot in Heaven. Shamika Copeland, it's been so great to have you here. Before we go, I would love to know, where do you recommend if we want to learn about the blues? Where should we start? Wow. Start with the 1920s. (laughs) There's just over 100 years of music and so many great artists and musicians and listen to old interviews from people. That's a great way to learn. I mean, because that's how I learned a lot by listening to those cats that I got a chance to hang out with, B.B. King and Little Milton and talking to Buddy Guy. And that's how you learn. And such a deep legacy, too, that you're carrying on, you know. I mean, there's got to be some sort of a sense of purpose there, too. Mm -hmm. Not only in, like, the message of your songs, but also the genre of the music. So important, so foundational. And women of the blues, who should we look to as the founding mothers of the blues? Oh, gosh. Well, you got to start with Ma Rainey, Bessie Smith, Esther Phillips, and and then you just keep it going from there. Because once you listen to them, you'll start to run into Memphis Minnie, and then you'll start to run into Sister Rosetta Tharp, and then you'll get, it, it, it just goes on and on and on until you get to artists like myself. And now there's so many more coming up under me. And may it continue. Shamika Copeland, again, what a pleasure. Where should we go out today? Fried catfish and Bibles. (laughs) It's a party I want to go to. Chicken bone, Charlie, a salad, sweet potato. Tearing up the house, doing the alligator. Leftover Louie and his husband, Dan. Two-stepping by the garbage can. Everybody headed straight to the floor when they came to the joint with the sign on the door. With thanks to Shamika Copeland. Thank you so much for being here on Shiro's Radio. Done Come Too Far is the new album. Thank Thank you. Thank you for having me.
niggas and thieves. Preacher playing poker with an ace up his sleeve. Many thanks again to Shamika Copeland for being with us. Her new album, Done Come Too Far, is out now on Alligator Records. She Rose is produced by me, is mixed and mastered by Kelly Drake. We get production assistance from Emma Philippos. Our original theme music is by Lucius. She Rose is also a nationally syndicated radio show. You can visit SheRoseRadio.com to find out more and support our work with Patreon or merch from the She Rose shop. Keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Carmel Holt or find us at SheRose Radio. And please consider leaving us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps us grow and bring you more Shiro's. Until next time, remember, music is our superpower. I'm Carmel Holt. Thanks for listening.